Welcome to Creators Our Brands. I'm your host, Tom Boyd. This show is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And in this show, we talk to creators and storytellers and people that share ideas on the internet and they're building audiences and they're making money. And I think it's really cool. So I say, hey, I'm curious about that. I want to know more. That's what the whole show is about. And today we have a special guest joining us. His name is Sachit Gupta. He's the founder of the Creators MBA and host of the Conscious Creator Show. He's worked with some of the biggest podcast hosts and authors in the world to help them grow their businesses. And during this show, we explore what he's learned in the process of doing just that. He shares his expertise on topics such as positioning your creator brand, creating and selling ad inventory, how to talk to brand partners and create demand, the importance of delivering an ROI for brands, the cheat code for building a network in the creator economy, key people that you might want to hire as you build your team, and much more. So if you're looking to take your creator career to the next level, get a pen and paper if you're old-fashioned or a clean Notion doc and get your typing fingers ready for all the notes. Let's get into the show. Big fan of your content. I, uh, you know... That's what we're done. (laughs) No, 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 for real. We, the, the... the I you know it's funny because we connected, but I don't know if you had the podcast at the time that we we connected, and then I came across the show. I don't know if I was like just doing research and I came across. I was like, wait, I I know I know him. Like we like, and and I love the name of the show, the 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 conscious creator. Thank you, my man. Yeah, and it's funny. I think yeah, we connected last year where I was trying to like do the podcast myself, basically like doing everything myself. And yep. it just like would, I'd start publishing, then I'd stop. I'd start publishing, I'd stop. Uh, we, a funny anecdote on that is actually we launched in December 2019. This year was the first time we published more than four episodes, or sorry, more than four episodes in a row weekly, um, which tells you how organized I was before. Uh, so <laughs> hey, uh, glad you but- found it again. But 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 you're I, but the thing is you got a lot lot moving you got a lot of stuff that you're working on actually doing work actually providing value to established creators right with with platforms media with the creators MBA and I'm so excited to to cover some of the st- insights that you've learned working with not even arguably working with the biggest creators in the world. It's it's that, I mean. That's accurate, right? We can say that. I, I think some of them definitely are, and and for me, like more more at least for podcast God. creators. Yeah, I would say like pop. I mean, podcasters and authors definitely like Tim Tim Ferriss and Seth Godin. Uh, I think the thing that's more important for me though is when I was sort of coming up, these were the books I was reading to to sort of like get better. And ten years later, close that loop, work with them. That was just such a great feeling. Yup. And then, so it's t- give me a little bit of insights. What what is platforms media? Yeah, so so we're basically sort of like think of it as, as like the the SEAL team, where if a creator has an audience, um, they're making some money. We basically come in on whether it's helping you monetize better, grow your audience. Uh, we basically kind of like run run those things for you, um, and just help you explode. Uh, the thing I found is a lot of creators really like creating. They don't like dealing with ops. They don't really like care about marketing. And I think the best ones actually understand that. And instead of trying to do everything themselves, which we can get into. They really like bring on the right people for the right things, and so the last ten years was basically yeah, like being uh, between sponsorships and and growing audience through Facebook ads, and just being sort of that like silent person no one knew about, and 
getting to work with people that I was inspired by for for all these years. I I, I went on um your website and there was there was a line of copy that I totally aligned with, and this is something that we talked about earlier on um when, when we first connected. It's just about how you show up for creators, and it's and on your website it says we help podcasters, content creators, authors, and experts get off the co- get off the content ha- hamster wheel. More income, less overwhelm, audience growth is predictable, so you can scale your creator business sustainably without feeling like you're selling out. You already you're already great at creating content. Let us become great. Let us help you become great at the business side of being a creator. That is beautiful. Like you know that that's a pain point that I find is very consistent with creators. They're like, I know how to build an audience. I've scraped the surface of working with sponsors. I, I can pay them, but there's no real system here. Like I don't know how to do this without feeling like I'm selling out or without like burning out and like hating the brand that I built. So where do we start with that? Like so so someone ha- let's say someone's making 10k a month. Um, they're in that range where they they know they can they don't know how yeah. to do this consistently like where like are we talking to is and maybe we'll be even more specific someone that also it's like a a video podcast show and he's all he's starting to get some some sponsorship opportunities that are more consistent how should he be thinking about his business as far as team? Like, at what point is he like, all right, like, who's the first person I hire? Who do I bring in? Or, like, what's the first move I need to make here? Yeah, and, and I think, like, even before you, like, start hiring or going towards a team, I always, like... I want to hire everyone. Right. <laughs> and I always, like, like thinking, sort of, like, I think the first thing everyone should do is really, like, understand the game that's being played around them, right? So, so let me yep. give you my POV of, like, where... Uh, the creator's economy Ooh, is going. I like, I like that. And, and, and then we're, we'll, we'll go from there. So there's this really great stat that uh, I think about 70% of YouTubers or 75% of kids, sorry, that are, that are coming up want to be YouTubers. That's like their career, right? And here's the thing. Here, here's all of those people that are coming up. Don't understand. The game is rigged. Because if you think about uh, uh. most creators, if you ask most creators, like, how do you make revenue, right? Or how do you monetize? 80% of them want to do sponsorships. Which means you're basically playing a game where, uh, and, and how do sponsorships work? They work on CPMs or impressions. So basically the game you're signing up for is, I'm going to start this thing and I'm going to try and get the most views as possible because then I can monetize that with sponsorships, which is directly proportional to the views that you get, right? Yep. And uh, as you know, like in everything, there's a power law, whether you're talking about VC investing or, or something else. And really like, I think the top, maybe like 1% of creators get most of the revenue. So so in that sense, I think the the game is rigged because you're basically just focused on this one way of monetizing, which requires you to get a massive audience, right? That's so true. And that's that's actually been one of my qualms with working with brand sponsors. Cause I'm just like, this is just another form of employment. Where you're you're hustling to build this brand that's just bigger and more and more everywhere, but in the process of doing that, it starts to become a job because you're making the type of content that you don't love to make to like meet this need that these outside new bosses these like each each brand sponsorship is essentially like hiring another boss for your brand, so you're just hiring more bosses and you're you're doing, you're starting to do something that starts to feel more like a job and it takes the enjoyment out of it. And, and Hasan Minaj actually has a re- had a really great point on the Colin and Samir show where he was talking about how 
if you look at sort of like the the graph of people that like watch your content, right? Um, the ones that make the most noise are the ones at the extreme, right? Like the people in yeah. the middle, they're just kind of like watching. The ones at the extremes are the ones that make the most noise. But yep. let's say like you're in a room doing a, a stand-up comedy show, you still see all the other people, right? But when you're online, you're actually only seeing the extremes. So then you're like, you're like, oh, okay, this is what they like. Let's do more of that. And so in that chase for, for views, you then start creating more and more extreme content and you create more and more extreme content. And then it spreads more. It gets more views. You get more from sponsors. And basically and you turn- And you're known for that. Exactly. And you got to do more of that. <laughs> yeah. And, and so for me, like, uh, even before we get into like, kind of like how I think about monetization, how I think about team and all these different things, I think the biggest thing creators need to understand is that like the game that's being played around them is rigged in that sense. And basically, if they don't understand uh, a different way to play this game, they will get sacrificed to the algorithm and burn out because the platforms don't care. For them, there's like a thousand new people coming in every year, right? So like the views will stay steady for them, but you burn out and then someone else takes your place. Yep. And and when you start, that's sort of the obvious way. You're like, you're like, okay, like I'm seeing this work because they're the loudest. That's the game that I know that feels obvious to me. But what is this different game? How do you start playing the different game that you just mentioned? Yeah, and, and it, it's funny, right? There's that like Steve Jobs quote of like, you can't connect the dots looking forward, but you can connect them looking backward. And I think um, what I really figured out in the last sort of 10 years of my career was this mix of like positioning and client selection to really work with the right kinds of clients, doing the right kind of services where they pay a lot. And also they're not like the, the sort of like, have you seen that uh, meme of... Uh, if you hire a five hundred dollar client, they're like they'll send you like an email like this long, it, it, and a fifty k client is like nothing resonates more. Paid, uh, done. Yeah, right? yeah. Because they're too busy. They they want to hire a pro to do the freaking job. Where the 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 smaller client is going to micromanage and be breathing down your neck that entire that entire thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I think like this is sort of like the game I figured out is like how do you figure out like like uh, an exchange of value that you're providing where someone's willing to pay a lot for it, right? Oh, actually, I'll give you a quick anecdote on that. Um, last year, I worked with a company and and we basically, I built and ran this podcast fellowship. Uh, it had a hundred plus people, um, cost $2,000. So you can kind of like get an idea of the revenue. And it was eight weeks. Uh, we were doing like four sessions a week and I just burned out so badly, right? And I think out of necessity after that, I actually figured like, end up getting another, another client where I helped them build a podcast and I was working uh, with them one-on-one and, uh, when I hear the funniest thing, um, that one client was maybe 10% of the time effort in, in terms of the work that I did yep. and made more than the entire fellowship. Yep. And when that connected for me, I was like, oh, this is what I've been doing for the last 10 years. This is what creators need to do because here, here's the other part, right? It's like I've saved time and now I have money and now I can use that money to invest in team and all these different things. And, and basically at this point right now with my podcast, I don't do anything that I don't like. So... Now, that means like I'm not going to burn out because I'm only enjoying doing things that I like. But if I was playing the sponsorship game, my audience isn't big enough to make the kind of revenue that I need to make to then pay for the team that I have. Uh, listen, I love that because, yeah, that, that's where that's where the, the, the creators, they go. It's like they start having all of these other roles that like 90% of the job they don't enjoy, right? But if they can build the team, they can focus on their strengths, their their unique <laughs> style, they, what they their like what what they what their natural talents are, lean into that 
and let other people but like dude at the this is uh, do you run into this um people is there friction because of that control that they want with their business like i no, i i still have to do that does it take a little bit for the creators that you work with to understand that like no you're going to build a bigger business if you're able to see the team this way so so okay let's do a quick exercise um i'll, I'll kind of like describe like 80 percent of creators to you it, it doesn't matter if they're making 100k a year or a millionaire or like 10 this is i've usually found this to be the case um imagine you're you're sort of like basically like your arms are outstretched and your legs are outstretched you're barely holding on and you're being pulled apart in like four or five directions right that's most creator businesses where they're, they're basically yeah. like barely holding on to all of these different things they're being completely stretched thing thing yep. and they know if they can let go of this rope the business just crumbles yeah right and, and so most creators are like that but the best creators what they realize is um for certain things they don't need to spend the time to like learn it uh they can just hire the right expert, right? So for example, Seth Godin, one of the best marketers in the world, um, when they were doing the all-time MBA and they wanted to do Facebook ads, he could have learned it. But he was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to find the person who like knows how to do it, who I can work with and let them handle it so I can focus on what I do best, uh -huh. which is teaching, leading, coaching, and all of that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so let's, so, so can we zoom in on that person that is has a video podcast it's doing well like when they're thinking about their team is it like i've seen this word thrown around like an integrator um do you need a production assistant a virtual assistant how do you tell these cats what to do <laughs> you know like like it's it's uh you know is you got to create a system first and like i don't know if you uh, if we're going I, we can talk about uh is there a specific um as people are listening to is would we want to direct them towards the six figure sponsorship blueprint or creators MBA or the podcast to kind of get some more information as we're talking about this. It, it all sort of fits, fits together, right? Because it's like the first thing if, if you're a creator and you have some sort of audience, which by the way, it doesn't have to be huge. I've had people who had um, less than a thousand dollars an episode make like a hundred K a month. So, so it isn't dependent what? on the audience. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's, it's all about, actually, can I take a quick detour and tell you a quick story on client selection? And then we'll come back to the team. Do good? whatever you want. Cool. Okay, so th uh. <laughs> th this was a story that, this was a few years ago when I was like really like deep in the world of consulting. And I don't think I actually understood what was going on at that point. And now I really understand like what was going on and how important it is to match the, the things that you're doing with the right clients. So um, as creators, like we're all like really into like Notion and Basecamp and trying all of these different tools, right? Uh, yeah. The biggest mistake people, and then, then people like started like creating templates and start creating uh, courses and all. But the biggest yep. problem is like they're selling to the same people on Twitter who are also experimenting with these things who don't really have any money, right? Um, a few. So, uh, so this is like six years ago. I was doing marketing for uh, a ball bearing company based out of Dubai. So it's like completely like different industry. Yeah. Uh, huge offices like industrial and all of that stuff. And so I was in the CEO's office and. He just kind of like saw me like playing around on Basecamp. And he goes, what is that? I was like, oh, I just use it to like manage to-dos and stuff. And he was like, can you show some people on my team how to use this? I was like, yeah, sure. Uh, so he's like, okay, we'll talk in an hour and I'll bring some people on my team. So I'm sitting in his office and he goes, and I'm like, okay, is the meeting time? Where, where is everyone? He's like, oh, we're meeting upstairs. I was like, why are we going upstairs? So I go up to the, the room where the meeting is and like imagine those like, like sort of like U-shaped mahogany oak tables 
from those those sure. like like old movies, right? It's their conference room. I was like, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. So I go sit there and I basically just like set up my laptop, open Basecamp, and then his like entire executive team walks in. And for, for 30 minutes, I showed them how to use Basecamp. This is how you set up a project. This is how you add a task. And guess what? They were blown away, right? And at that point, if I had mm-hmm. been like, hey, I'm just going to start charge you guys 10K a month and I'm going to like systematize all of these different things for you. It will save your team 10 to 100 hours, hours of, or whatever yeah. a week. This year's going to be like, yes, yes, let's do this because it's saving them so much time because of the leverage they're getting back. So just by switching from my lens from like the t- people I'm talking to Twitter to like this other industry that I know, I can 10x my rate. And I think this is the thing that most creators don't understand is who you sell to and how you sell to them is so important because just by like flipping that one thing, you could like double or triple your business. And again, that creates the revenue they can use for advertising, hiring a team, yep. and all these different things. Yep. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of and, sense. And, and this so is think... a simplest example, right? It's like like setting up yeah. a freaking to-do in, in Basecamp. Yeah. But there are yeah, companies that don't get it. They don't know how to do it. How do you help creators apply that thinking to their video show? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm... Like, how, like what is the... What can we do to to get more clear about and this might be part of the three M method that you talk about how to fine tune your niche and build your positioning is there like how can creators apply that to what they're building yes yeah, so, so so the three M method is basically uh, and it's not I didn't invent this it's by Dan Kennedy he talks about like market message and medium and in terms of market I really look for uh, sort of this like intersection of industries that I'm interested in where my skill set is applicable. And then lastly, like they actually have like the willingness and the ability to pay. And this is from Ramit Sethi to for, for the kinds of projects that I want to do. Right. So like early on and again, like when I was starting out, I would like really try and work with startups. And I just found they weren't the right fit because either they didn't have the revenue to to spend. And even if they did, they were so sort of like in that early stage of like everything would change every month. It didn't make sense. I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. It, you put a lot of work into something and then the next month you're like, oh, like none of that. <laughs> yeah, your, your, your business is a different business now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally a different. Okay, well, whatever. You still going to pay me? <laughs> yeah. So so, so um, it, it just goes to that like client selection, right? So it's always like that intersection. And then again, here's the thing too, which is, um, I, so I, I did an interview with uh, Eamon who ran um, AppSumo. Uh, he was the CEO of AppSumo from seven to eight to nine figures. He made a really great point, which is most businesses like, the startup fees is really like zero to five million and he calls like scale up to or, or sorry grow up to like five to 100 and then scale up is like over 100 plus if, if you do the right client selection you actually don't need that many clients to get to like six figures or more than six figures um i've been experimenting with the upper bound in terms of like consulting and i think it's bigger than most people realize because have, have yeah. you, i don't know if you saw this interview with um i think mr beast was on either like flagrant or one of the other shows talking about how this guy just basically wanted uh, a birthday message for his son and Mr. Beast goes, it's going to be 250K. The guy's like, okay. So he basically paid him a quarter million dollars to record like a one minute video message. Now we can't do that, right? But there are still people in every creator's audiences that are really big fans. And so I think in those kinds of sales, like people are also like just like buying to be close to you. And in that fandom, in that affinity is where you can raise the prices. I agree with you on that. Uh, I, I think that, I mean, that's sort of the whole reason why I called the show Creators Are Brands and 
because I wanted it to be very clear that if a if a cool tech company in in um, the creator economy saw the show, they know exactly like what I my POV was, mm -hmm. um, and and I think that's helped me build a lot of relationships with creator economy companies. People, you know, I, I, it's like a quick tagline. Oh, he hosts the show. Creators are brands, and uh, it's just like a, a good intro to the, those types of conversations. Exactly right. And in that case, right? Like, let's say like they're paying you whatever CPM to sponsor your podcast. Not anymore because they're on HubSpot, but let's say they were, right? Um, you could go to them and be like, hey, I've done research with like 100 plus creators and I produced this report. How would I publish that with you guys? What if I do office hours for oh. the creators on your platform? Um, and that's where you can go from pay me this much per CPM to pay me just this much as a retainer to um, give me a percentage of your company because I'm bringing you all of these people. See, I like that way of thinking right there. That That's... That that is like a uh, and and I I cut we I think that's a great way of looking at it. Where most people, when they're thinking about brand deals, it's very transactional. Yeah. And you're saying like this is a col collaboration. This is just the start of the conversation. There's yeah. a bunch of ways that you could work together as a consultant, an advisor, someone that is providing value in a way that is more of a partnership than this. Hey, I'm going to talk about your company. <laughs> yeah, I'll actually, I'll go back to sort of like where I really learned sponsorship and cut my teeth. So I started doing sponsorship for a, com uh, a podcast called Mixergy. And the good thing was I actually didn't know anything about like how sponsorship worked. Um, so I just sort of like came into New Red. One of the first companies that I talked to was this company called TopTal. And I still remember that conversation because when I got on the call with the CEO or COO, we weren't talking about like, what is my CPM? What are the downloads? It was more like, hey, okay, tell me about what your company does. And like, what benefit are you looking for, right? Like if you sponsor Mixage for a month, what is the outcome that you actually want? And so they basically told me what the outcome they wanted was. And I was like, okay, um, usually like how much are you willing to pay per customer? Because every company has this thing called customer acquisition cost. And they told me their customer acquisition cost. And I was like, okay, if you sponsor for a month, that's for, for uh, four weeks, and we do three episodes a, a week, uh, 12 episodes, I think we could get you at least six customers. Does that sound right? And he's like, yeah, that sounds right. I was like, cool, so six times your CAC. How about we just charge that monthly and, and then go from there? Like, so, done deal, let's, do, let's go. And just by doing that, uh -huh. I more than doubled what the creator was charging before I came in. Mm. So I shifted the conversation from this is what you're getting to this is the value that you're looking for and how do we provide that, right? And if I'm the creator now, I'm like, okay, a lot of creators think the work ends when the sponsorship is, is signed. For me, yeah. that, that's where the work starts. Because now if you're a creator, you know what the brand wants. They want yeah. six customers. Message your people, message your friends. Because if they get those six customers, they're coming back, right? So there's all these other things that you can do now to really get the brand the benefit. Because, again, they're paying a lot, so you can spend more time on it. And, by the way, uh, I ran sponsorship for Mixed for five years. For those five years, uh, TopTel was one of our annual sponsors. Between them and another company, they every year they took over 50% of the inventory because they always kept getting results. And now think about it, like from my perspective, how much easier it made my job because instead of like looking for 50 different sponsors, I had two that just like were reliable because just, I kept yeah. getting them the results that they wanted. That That's a great way of looking at it. And that's the thing about this industry too is we think that we need to know everyone, but really it's like a a couple key relationships that can be those game-changing 
um, you know, deals or, or partnerships that can really change the course of your business. And the other thing I, I like to talk about is there is, I find, a lot of turnover for the people that are handling sponsorships at the company. But when there's turnover, that person, you're still usually in relationship with that company. But that person usually goes to a similar company, maybe up levels and goes to a new job. So keep those, keep building those relationships because then you're just building this great network of people that you can make these win-win relationships with. Exactly, right? Because if they know you're someone who's reliable, who gets the job done, who takes care of the campaign, who's very honest when the campaign doesn't work, comes up with ideas, when they go to their next company, that's the first thing they're going to do is like, okay, who do I want to work with? This guy, like, I know if I give him money, he's going to get the job done. Versus other creators who maybe don't show up for calls, don't, like, respond, and you're like, I just, I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then when you and I talked, you talked about the idea of selling inventory for, like, the like a full quarter. Can you, t- are you, am I allowed to share about, oh, yeah, yeah, talk about totally. that? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, tell me about that. Pro- are you, are you still, is that still a, a way of thinking that you, that you teach when you're working with creators? Definitely. I'll actually give you the story of how I discovered it and how we implemented it. So um, one of my favorite uh, shows is a million dollar listing with, and like I, have, I basically watch all of them. And so I was watching this episode and it's um, Frederick Eklund. He's like selling out a building in New York, right? And it was really interesting because he's like, he's not just like, oh, like building is available. He's like, no, I'm going to make an event out of this. I'm going to make it a party. So he basically like throws this huge party and then it's him, him and his team in this like office or whatever. And they have this chart where they're just like marking off when it's sold. Right. And then he's like yeah. calling people, hey, uh, we had like 100 units available. Only 60 are left. Next day, it's like only 40 are left. Only 20 are left. And I was like, hmm, why don't we do this as creators? And so most creators, yeah. especially in podcasting, have a limited inventory, right? So in, in the case of Mixergy, it was three episodes a week, 52 weeks, uh, 104 total sponsors because we were doing two sponsors per episode and then 312 total slots for the year. So yeah, I still remember that math. Um, and so I was like, okay, like this is what we have. And so one year what I just did is around September and I did it in September because it was right before Q4. So I was like, okay, this is the probably thing about next year. Let's get us in early. Let's lock in these deals before even like other creators come. I basically emailed all the sponsors that we worked with it, and I was like, hey, we're planning for next year. Um, and so can you talk in this week about next year's sponsorship? Uh, would love to just kind of like check in and see how things are going and talk about next year. And I did, I, and I scheduled all the calls on the same week. And on the call, I was like, okay, how are things going? Okay, cool. Let me know what you think. And every call I was basically like, and I think I expect to like sell out Q1 within the next two, two weeks, right? So like it created the urgency. Yep. And, and then, like, brands started coming back. And then, lo and behold, like, I think we, we tested this out a few times. And I think it was 2019 or 2020. We st- the first week of the year, 80% of the inventory for the whole year was sold. Like, imagine I coming into that it. as a creator. Oh, my gosh. That's game-changing. And, and, and the That's be- g- best part, I'll, I'll share another quick story. And there were some times where, like, a brand would email me and they'll be like, Okay, um, we want to sponsor. I was like, okay, I like uh, it's the next episode is in April, and then the brand didn't email me for two weeks, and they came back, and I was like, oh yeah, um, now we're at September. They're like what? Like yeah. I wasn't kidding when I told you it's sold out. Yep. So now guess what happens next year? They're emailing me being like, hey, can we get in before you like start selling this because I know you sell out really fast. So now the brands are coming to me, so that they can get their episodes in before inventory starts selling out. 
So now I'm yeah. not chasing them, they're chasing me. No, I think that's absolutely brilliant. It creates scarcity, like that, That you know, uh, it, it, it actually puts you in more control instead of just waiting for people to come to you. You know, like this is what we're, this is this is what we offer. You can take it or leave it. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's sort of like the way people sell like courses. You know, people say, "Hey, it's available for this week at this price. Next week it's going to drop, and then the following week it's not going to be available for another six months." And that creates that urgency for people to buy. And and here's the thing, though, like all of this depends on your sponsorship working. If you can give a brand an ROI, yeah, stop taking okay. sponsors. Stop stop messing it up for the entire industry because. Brands will sponsor podcasts, not get a result, and be like, "Podcasting sucks." No, it's it's the the the, the campaign that you created that sucks. Um, yeah. So, okay. So we we no. really like delivered, which is why we were able to do all of these things. Okay. No, that that's a great point. Let's talk about delivering, uh, because I think that like some creators can have anxiety about that. Like, okay, now I got the money. Um, how do I, like, how much do I stress out about actually delivering on this? And and how do I how do I go about that? Like, um, that's a like I don't know what the question is. Uh, but like, how do you? I, I, I can give you, you an answer that I have in mind yeah, right now. <laughs> tell me the answer to the question I did not even say. <laughs> so so, so I'll, I'll I'll share like three things that we did to like sort of like once the deal was signed to really make sure that the sponsor had a great experience and they would come back. Um, so the first one is like what I said earlier, right? It's like client selection. Um, and so Mixergy was a well-known podcast and we would have a lot of brands come. And I remember calls where I would get on a call and a brand would be like, okay, we're ready to sponsor. I saw this is how much it would cost and let's go. Like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to make sure this is a fit for your brand first because if it's not, you could offer me a million dollars. I'm not going to take it because we don't want sponsors that we don't deliver for. Qualify. Right. And the brand just goes, who the fuck are you? Like, you're, I'm, I'm ready to give you money. You're not taking it. And so, it, again, that just turns the table, right? So, like, the first thing is just really making sure that you can deliver an ROI for a brand. Um, and if not, don't take them, right? If you're not sure, tell yeah. the brand, hey, um, this is what we've seen in other campaigns. This is how I think it would perform, but I'm not sure. So, I really want, like, both of us to go into this with an experimental mindset, and we'll test out a few different things to make sure it gets Um Make sure we can deliver, right? And so, now you're not, like, lying to the brand. You're basically coming in as a partner to see if things are going to work. So that was the first thing. Second thing I was, was I, I really like wanted to get out of the transaction and build a relationship with not just my sponsor rep, but the company as a whole, because I knew one, if we did that, they would be more likely to help during the partnership. But then when they're cutting, when they even like cut partners, they're not going to cut the one with the relationship, right? So like one thing we would do is I would have the creator record a very specific video, which is, Hey, brand partner, the person's name and company, thank you for sponsoring the podcast and what it would mean to them. But what it meant to the creator, nah. right? So now, guess what happens when you send it to the creator rep or the brand rep? They send it to the whole company. They send it to the whole company because who else does that, right? Yeah, it makes them look, that, that's, a, that's something that I talk about. Make the, make the point of contact you're working with look good because if you make them look good, they're going to tout this partnership to exactly. as many people as far as why as they can. So so I would get messages from friends who worked at that company and be like, hey, you work with this creator, right? This is so weird. Like this <laughs> random thing that you send is being shared in our executive suite channel because people we are like so happy that, yep. that this creator is like, we're partnering with this creator. 
And then the, the third, so, so those are like two things. And the third thing was, this is where like the rubber meets the road is like really making sure you can deliver on the campaign, right? So like I basically, as soon as we were signed, uh, would look at it as a marketing campaign. So we had a whole form, we would ask them like, like their problem, solution, all these different That's things. That's smart. Um, in some cases, we'd be like, uh, give us client case studies. And they'd be like, we don't have them. Like, Go get them. Like, you yeah. want us to do a great ad. I want to talk about your customers. So get us case studies. Can you hop on call with the sponsor's clients who really understand why they're working with the sponsor? Right? Like, no creator does that. But you you basically build a tapestry of why companies are buying from from that sponsor. And then you can tell those stories. Right? We would yep. get the landing page. And I would, like, send them, like, a five-minute loom video back. Um change this, change this, change this language to this. In the heading, it's better if you uh, highlight uh, sort of like the shared language that we speak. So in, in Mixer's case, uh, Andrew would always say, hey, Freedom Fighters, right? So like the best brands would be like, hey, Freedom Fighters, here's a deal for you. Because then when you go in, you're like, yeah. oh, they, they they know who we are. Or like um, create a landing page specifically for, for the people that he's sending, exactly. he's sending there. Exactly. Th- that's a great point. That's something that I think about too, um, is the fact that when you do a brand partnership, you're you're like I guess in the freelance world they would call you like at, in in the you would be fairly upstream, right? So like you're like the the where you're helping people um, be exposed to this brand like at the the very tippy top of their world, right? But you know, is the landing page good? Is the is the product good? Is the delivery, is the customer service good? Like all of that stuff is kind of out of your hands. So are those things that you're looking into, like when you're kind of qualifying this person is like, do we actually like, you know, is, is, that, is that's more important than like, they're giving us a lot of money. Does this thing actually work? Cause if it doesn't work, we're not going to be able to get them an ROI. Yeah. And uh, sure. I remember another story just remember, made me uh, think of it. It's also like seeing like, okay, is your, messaging matching where the customer is right so for example um one of our brands came to us and they were like okay the roi is really down we don't know if you can continue or whatever i'm like okay um can I actually see your data and there's also like you, you need brands who will give you data because then you can work together so they pulled up the data and they were like i was like oh okay this is really interesting because if you look actually at like the number of visits that's the same but conversion is down which means yeah. people are interested they're just not pulling the trigger so if someone's not pulling the trigger, what gets them to pull the trigger? Maybe more data, maybe more case studies, because now you're creating ads. Not you for did the, your job. Yeah, you got like, them there. Yeah, it's like it's like we're we're not creating or we got them there, but they're not converting, right? So I was like, okay, yeah. how do we help them convert better? So now, in instead of the ads talking about the top of the funnel, we were using stuff in the ads that was more geared towards someone who was in the middle of the funnel. So let's okay. talk about case studies. Let's talk about why people don't end up buying and and then like what makes them purchase and all these different things. So it, it made us change the ads. And of course, then the numbers improve. Oh, right? So it's like really the right getting into the numbers and being like, okay, where's the actual problem? And that's what happens when you have a relationship with someone. Um, if it's a quick one-off, like you're, you're not gonna be enticed to look into the actual results. But if you're building this relationship, this ongoing thing, you wanna, you wanna create a win to just keep this thing going. Uh, Okay, this is all great. Now, this, in my mind, the inventory approach works really well for like someone that has a podcast. Wait, Tom, you know, sorry, uh, you just froze for like the last 10 seconds. Uh, okay, I was saying some really great stuff, so 
hopefully it's recorded. Well, you'll get it. Yeah, no, I just hear it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Um, so, so I, I think what I was saying was, um, this like the the way of thinking about it, like, okay, I'm gonna create inventory for the next quarter. I'm gonna bring this to my relationships, and I'm going to try to sell this. That is that like I get that from like uh if you have a podcast right because it's very clear like a podcast is it's more of like a s- episodic format what happens if like do you recommend something like this for someone that that let's say only does short for short short form video would that apply or would you try to get that short form person to think about other media properties to build and then go and and do that pricing model so so i've had this conversation with a lot of youtuber friends and they're like yeah we can't really do that and i was like why can't you um, yeah. Because all you're doing is you're basically like showing scarcity, right? So let's say you're a YouTube creator, you probably publish one, maybe two videos a week, right? Yep. So again, 52 weeks in a year, 52 or 104. So you can tell the brand, we're only going to create these many uh, videos. Out of a, these videos, year, yeah. And out of these, only like 20% are sponsored. So now you're like, okay, only 20 of the 100 are actually sponsored. Do you want to be one of those 20? Well, yeah, why not? It's the same concept as a podcast that works. Yeah, because you're uh, not going in and you're like, in 365 days, I'm going to create uh, 4,000 videos, right? It's like you have an idea yeah. like where your capacity is yeah. to produce. Just use that to drive scarcity. Yeah, exactly. Or you could simply be like, yeah, it's two. I work with two. I do two strategic collabs a month. These are where. Um, this is the... Now, do you set the price? Is it like if you buy a certain amount, is there like... If you buy four, it's uh, let's just use round terms a thousand. If you buy five, it's like there's a deal on that. Yeah, so we were no, discount- if you buy ten, there's a deal I on that. I think we discounted like-, like we had a discount after eight episodes, and then another after like twelve or twenty four or something. Um, okay, and again, it wasn't very scientific. It was just kind of like it's like okay, well, it just makes like your job easier. Five percent and then ten percent off, and yeah, it made my job easier because again, those two brands they would just buy sixty percent of the inventory before the year started because they got that discount, right? Yeah. So now I'm going to the other brands and I'm like, yeah, uh, by the way, uh, we have this huge inventory but 60% is gone. And they're like, what? It's like, yep. So you guys are fighting over this 40%. And, and so it just yeah. like changes the language that you use in like every other conversation then. So who are these decision makers though? Like like who, who how do you, like, all right, so say this person is, we're, we're talking to someone that's already built an audience, likely, right? Or, or they're close the to that I mean. point. Yeah, creators, yes. right? And they, um, what range do you think someone should start focus? Like at what range should someone go from building an audience, building communities to start really thinking about building the team and, and pricing this way. And then, and then we'll talk about how to find the decision makers. I just, I just literally wrapped up five questions in one. Let's see what you got. So, 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 I'll, I'll give you the, the process on how you th- I think about it. I think before you okay. go to tool, you have to do like monetization first because you can't pay for a team. I think in terms yeah. of monetization, you can start at any point. Um, I have a friend, Harry, who runs Podcast Junkies. Uh, he did a session in our in the Creators MBA where he talked about, before he started this podcast around vertical farming, he pre-sold ads. So he yeah. had the experience, he had the network, he interviewed a bunch of people, and then was like, hey, yeah, like, I'm looking for sponsors. Maybe one or two said yes, but like you don't need more than that, right? So he actually like, pre-sold ads. That's the first thing. The other thing we were asking, I think like sort of like, the question behind the question was what level of audience do I need to like start selling ads? And again, I think this is where like, even like some of the students are blowing my mind. Uh, we had a student who 
uh, has a podcast around some, I don't think I can share her numbers yet, but something like technical. And so I showed her this method and you know, like the standard CPM in podcasting is like 18 to 25 or whatever. Um, and one of the strategies I also do is like, I try and like bundle a bunch of different things because then you can't break it down to the CPM, right? It's like you're getting a podcast and social media and LinkedIn posts or whatever. Um, in her case, we tried to work backwards. I think we landed at like six or $700 CPM. So she had a small audience, but because she combined the right things in the right way, the brand was like, I think it was somewhere between like five and 10K for a few LinkedIn posts, a few episodes or whatever. They're like, yeah, let's do it. And so when she showed me that, I was like, this is insane because everyone else would tell her, don't get sponsors, right? All the oh. other agencies would be like, your audience is too small. You can't get podcast sponsors. But by bundling all these different things together and really like focusing on the value instead of like the, the impressions, she was able to make pretty pretty good 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 deal and when you were talking about her cpm is that like are you actually measuring that or is or is you're just giving a round figure and you're saying sort of after the fact like that's probably what it was or, or is that client saying tell me how many clicks you got because we're only going to pay you 600 for the cpm like so th th this is this was us working backwards i think when you do it right when you focus on the value and when like the brand knows you're aligned in terms of like the outcomes that they want um, they're not looking for all. They don't, give, for they don't care about yeah. the CPM, right? It's yeah, like, yeah. Okay. If, if you're spending 10K, right? And I send you traffic that makes you more than 10K. Are you going to really be like, what's your CPM? Yeah. You're going to be like, how do I pay you 10K more? Because this is profitable. Okay. No, 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 no. That's a great question. So let's let's go into that a little bit more. Um, How do you, because I know you touched upon that briefly. How do you get to the value? Like, of like that one person clicking and converting. Cause like, let's say it's a tech company. Uh, I've worked with a lot of them in the creator space and they get a new user, but their thing is free. <laughs> like like a lot of people are signing up for a free thing. What it does that, how do you talk to them about what that is worth? You, you have to ask them, right? So it's like, we have like my, and this was really funny. Cause like I would go to a brand and be like, Hey, what's your acquisition cost or whatever? Because I'm trying to understand like, well, the first thing is actually like, are they looking for a direct sponsorship where it's like, we spent 10K, we want 10K plus in revenue or if it's brand. So let's say like most of us were like, for us was like direct. So it's like, okay, you're spending 10K, what's your acquisition cost? Thousand bucks. Okay, so that means you need 10 customers, right? A lot of times brands would be like, uh -huh. um, I don't know our acquisition cost, but let's go ahead with the deal. So it's like, okay, so just to make sure, if you spend 10K and we give, send you two customers, you're totally fine with it. They're like, no, no, we need more than that. I was like, five? No, 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 like more, 10, 20. So, so we would just back into a cost by that way. But if, if, if a brand doesn't know how they're measuring the success of the campaign before you start it, how the hell are you going to deliver an ROI? Because you don't even know what they're looking for. So a lot of times we would tell those companies, no. Um, I remember, uh, and this is How like, are you going to, so that's a great question. How are you going to measure success of this campaign? Yeah. Like, like get very clear on that. And then guess what? They go, uh, we're not sure. Great. I worked with these four or five other brands, and this is how they look at it. Some look at um, this, some look at this. Now, now you're a strategist for them. Exactly. <laughs> and you charge for that. <laughs> exactly. Do you want to go to the team side? Uh, let's talk about the, the, the let's talk about finding the decision makers and then the team side. Okay, cool. Um, so in terms of decision makers, what I found was, um, and it, it roughly sort of like broke down into this, which was, if a company is, let's say, like 10 employees or less, I was usually talking to the founder. Between 10 to 50 to 100, it was like, 
either the founder or like maybe a VP of marketing. And then as the companies got bigger, um, it was the marketing manager. The thing that I found interesting was a marketing manager, like a bigger company like HostGator, has way more of a budget than maybe a founder of a smaller company that's doing like email marketing or something, right? And yep. they have like different needs. So that's the thing that people don't understand. The way a founder of a bootstrap company is evaluating a sponsorship versus the founder of a VC funded startup, which is like growth at all costs, versus a marketing manager at a HostGator or something where it's like, I just need to like hit these milestones so that my job is, my boss is gonna give me maybe a promotion or something else. They're looking at like very different things, right? And how do you find that out? You ask them, you're like, okay, hey, uh, I'm curious, like who else is involved in this? Like, how do you guys internally measure success? Um, what do you need to like get, take your boss uh, for this to be a success? Oh, you need more social media mentions, cool. Uh, when we launch a sponsorship, we'll send an email to our audience being like, hey, can you post about this? Because that drives success for us and for you. Are you, are, okay, actually finding them, are you, are, is this mostly cold outreach? Or are these warm leads because you've already built up this audience and uh, like, like what is your strategy for actually getting in front of them? It's a mix. It's a mix of like cold and inbound. Um, it definitely works better if it's inbound. Uh, one, of things definitely. We're, one of the things we're trying to experiment <laughs> with right now is how to engineer uh, inbound. Still haven't fully figured it out. I haven't, I haven't ever, we're, we're testing out something with like partnerships where we just like have other people recommend us and then give them a cut or whatever. Because I found like whenever I'm talking to a client or potential client, if I'm recommended by someone else, that conversation is so much easier than like me going cold. So sometimes I'll like literally just go to people and be like, can you recommend me? I'll give you a cut instead of like me going cold. So I think that's one way where you can engineer that, but we're still I experimenting on how you. to do that. I agree with you. I, I, I find that my best relationships, so this is my strategy. It's build, sim, build relationships with other creators, similar uh -huh. creators in your space that are a little bit before you. Uh, or, or like, no, just, just in your general like sphere, right? Because they all have relationships, right? And then you just help each other get wins. I help them get a win and I say, hey, I saw you did a partnership with them. Would you make an intro? And sometimes they say no, and sometimes they say yes. But then there's that that um, word of mouth from someone they've worked with already in trust. And then the conversation is much better than a, just a cold. Um, because there's something, I don't know, especially when it comes to like brand partnerships. Uh -huh. There's something that like feels very like needy about that, <laughs> right? Like saying, hey, like you're essentially saying the subtext is pay me to talk about your stuff. And like they get those emails all the time all the time so if you can have uh like a, a, a word of mouth with someone that they trust it, it uh it just makes the case to work with you much stronger and they don't feel like you're they're you're they're doing you a favor they're like okay this is this is clearly something that is aligned with us because they know such and such yeah and i think this is where um because one of the things we're also going into is like producing bigger podcasts like like building our own shows um and i i, re I realized i thought of it last week actually and i realized Podcasts are actually the engine of collaboration. So, so let's say like if like in an industry like everyone's like really siloed, right? A podcast is the best way to start collaborating with someone because you start by giving something. You're like, hey, I want to talk about your story. I'm going to invite you. I'm going to just ask you questions, Dude. right? Someone spends thirty minutes. They're like so much more inclined it's, to help you afterwards. It's unmatched. It's, it's unmatched. Unmatched. I'm telling you, it is the cheat code to building a network in the an industry that you care about. 
that's why I'm like, yo, you can't miss. Like, I don't care if you, you get 10 listens a month. You got that one listen with that one conversation with that person that you're genuinely interested in. Yep. And and that's important. That's that's just as important as like or that can be just as important depending on, you know, what your goals are. Um, but to, to build that relation, it's an excuse to talk to people. Yeah, that right. you freaking are in, like, look, like you and I, I guarantee you, we're going to find a way to get money together. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like whether it's like, yo, oh, I saw this, this makes sense for you or vice versa. Like in just little ways that, or, you know, just like, and it starts with a conversation about things that we actually have shared, shared mm-hmm. interest on. And we call it content. Like what, like. So that's for anyone that's thinking about starting a podcast and like, oh, I don't know if I can grow to to like this this certain level. Like, no, like is it's an excuse to have conversations with people so, that you share interests with. So, so really quickly, let, let's connect a few of the things we've talked about now. Because um, you mentioned something. Th- this is this is sort of the invisible script a lot of people have against and maybe inviting certain guests or building a podcast, which is grew, you said grow to a certain level, right? Because yeah. we're all thinking, okay, we need to have like these many views before we can invite someone or whatever. Why is yeah. that? because of the advertising model we talked about earlier. It's, yep. we have this invisible script that like I have to grow because this is how I monetize. Now let's say like you're able to monetize off a smaller audience because you build that relationship, right? You then can like pay your team and stuff for, for the podcast. And then if you have the right people in an audience, it's way better than like a mass podcast with like just basically full of like entrepreneurs who are not going to take any action. And, and this is why um, Mixergy didn't have like the largest downloads in terms of like all the podcast the sponsors we're working with. Um, we usually had the highest CPM and it was a lock, like six to 12 months on the line, the brand would come and be like, yeah, we stopped all the other ones. We're just going to go with you guys because you're delivering an yeah. ROI. And you're bringing them a business outcome and that's what they care about the most. Yeah. Like no one cares about any like impressions you got. Nah. Think about it. It's like, yeah, maybe there's like an ego play there that you can talk about branding, but really like if it's a business, especially now when like everyone's cutting costs, everyone's laying off or like, okay, how does this impact my bottom line? Can you speak that yeah. language to me? Because then I also know you're looking out for me. So what I see a lot with YouTubers, with short form creators, the people that are reaching out to them are actually these like these influencer agencies that are in the middle. And usually they reach out for one off. It's like, hey, we're doing this campaign around this discount discount for these two months. We want to pay you for one video. What is your thinking on partnering with those types of, uh, working with people on with those types of campaigns? I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for saying this, but I'll say, <laughs> which is I think 80 or 90% of those agencies suck. All they're doing is they're like shuffling papers. Uh, I remember we would get these emails from companies with like this like Excel sheet of podcast name, podcast title, description, downloads per episode, CPM, this, 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 fill this out, right? And I'm like, I don't know what you're going to do. You're going to combine all of these spreadsheets then I'm just like one room in a spreadsheet. You're going to sort by CPM. You're a transaction. Yeah, you're a transaction. <laughs> so so we just didn't work with that many. That said, there are uh, some agencies that see things this way that are building the long-term relationship. And if you find one of those, because um, I think a lot of like creators also get tripped up on um, like, can we, like, why should we give like 30% or whatever? Um, and if you find an agency like that, just do it. Like even with like the podcasters that I work with, right? They would give me a cut but then I would come in and double their response to revenue. So, yeah. so it's worth it for them. No, that, that, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Yeah, because th- they, 
I go back and because I go back and forth on that because they're they're genuinely just looking. Like some of them are great, and yeah. I've worked with some that are great, but a lot of them, like, because I get some some of the inbound on this, and it's like, what is your rate for one video? It's just like. It feels hey, like I'm like well, well, a, a you, commodity you, to them. Like, what am go, I like? You go, what, what it, is the outcome you're looking for? Yeah, yeah. No, it, but they're very, it's like not like, hey, we're interested in this. Like, this is the, like, it doesn't seem like there's like a long-term relationship that they're even interested in building and it might not even be worth it. Now, yeah, it, it, if the outcome is just like, hey, brand awareness, we want you to have fun, talk about us in this way. Like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> like that sounds yeah. like something I'll, I'll entertain. <laughs> yeah, and there are a lot of good ones. We actually... Uh, Maybe we can link it up after. Uh, we didn't. I didn't interview with Matt, my friend who runs this company called um, Backyard Ventures. So they represent Ryan Holiday, uh, Noah Kagan, a bunch of sort of like those kinds of people. Um, and he thinks of it that way. So we did an interview on what he's learned from doing like ten million in deals, working with, I think it was two hundred plus brands, seventy five creators. Um, and he really like it was really interesting because I basically asked him like, what is the conversation you have with creators, and also what is the conversation you have with brands. And it's a really great insight into like how he positions stuff for the long term, and more as a partnership than than a transaction. Yeah, I uh, I think that's the thing to think about. Like, okay, you, you know, you can use your discretion. Is this agency? Um, is it gonna like? It, does this fit into my core values as a creator? Like to partner with this person. Uh, you talk about that on on your website. Um, you talk about. Also, like a, a, an emphasis is just like this team, this team factor that we keep coming back to. So, like, let's let's go into huh. that. So now we have a good framework of pricing models, um, uh, how to communicate, uh, the right people to communicate with. But like, what is the infrastructure you're building around this? And, and so, I'll also like share my journey with it too, which is for the last like ten years, I was basically like a solopreneur, worked by myself, would maybe like sometime like hire like contractors and all. And just like, and then uh, I joined OnDeck to build that podcast fellowship, which is very, for, which was the first time I like got the inkling of how powerful a good creators backed by a good operator could be. And I was like, this is interesting because I had an operator in that like framework and we built a massive fellowship. Um, and then right mm -hmm. after I burnt out, right? And I was like, oh, you know that quote of like uh, something, something, uh, if you're alone, you'll go fast and then oh yeah that's what it is yeah yeah yeah. if you yeah, go yeah. alone you'll, you'll go fast if you go together you'll go far and i think the lesson i realized after on deck is as and this is again like very sort of uh specific to me so i think the first thing is actually uh cultivating that self-awareness so you understand how you work um so what i realized about myself is i'm really like i love being creative i can take something from zero to one i can sort of like conceptualize the process and design the process but i don't like running it for example, like for my podcast, right. when we started, uh, we would do like all this research with like a guest, like friends and stuff. It was like pretty, uh, pretty complicated or complex. And when I was doing it myself, maybe 30% of the things would happen, right? And I just like wouldn't do all of it. And, uh, and also like it took burnout to be like, okay, I can't do everything myself. How, um, how do I like scale this? So this year, uh, I, I was really lucky. I actually ended up like bringing on the person who really helped me uh, at OnDeck, who was like my ops partner. And I'll give you a case study of how we systematize the pod, uh, the podcast, which then can like Would go into like what the team looked like, right? So we basically did a call with, so I, I had her and I think of her, I thought of her as like the a, a zero to one person who's going to take this 
sort of like complex idea that I have and turn it into a process. And then I have an assistant who I think of it as her as like one to N, where she just sort of like the stuff that needs to happen just repeatedly executes it. Right. So you need someone to design the process and then someone to run the process. So in this case, we did a call and um, she was basically just like, tell me everything that happens in the podcast. So we just like mapped it out. Okay, here. Then this goes here. We just kind of just like made a flowchart diagram. And uh, I was like, this feels so good that because I finally like was out of my head, right? Uh, and, uh-huh. and again, like as a creator, I, I, my mind doesn't think like that. But a week later, she came back with this basically like Notion template build where literally like we go in Notion, I press a button and creates the whole template of like everything that happens for every podcast. Tasks can get dragged into like the task manager. There's SOPs link for everything. That was like, I looked at it, I was like, this is insane. And I also know that like, I can't do this. So I think for every creator, like having that sort of like yeah. operator slash special projects is key, right? And everything we talked about, by the way, about like making, charging more, this is why that's important because if you're not charging more, you can't pay this operator. So, so she basically designed the process and then uh, from there, like my assistant just runs it. And at this point, um, anyone we're interviewing as a guest, like they come in, they fill out this form. So we get that, that research. We reach out to um, at least three people that they know, ask questions. That research comes in. I create an outline from there. And there's like a, it goes to like the audio tune. There's a video tune. There's an artist who makes the art. We send these like plaques as gifts to our guest. So like my assistant works with the artist to get those made, contacts the company, gets it delivered. Guess what I do? I show up. I suggest a guest. I record the interview and then I just like QA the interview when it's done and that's it. Everything else is happening around me now and I can just really focus on being creative and doing the podcast, having a great episode and then working with the guest on promotion. I love that. I think that's a goal that I have for this show <laughs> is to is to get to that point. That's ex- that sounds exciting to me cuz that is the part that I I enjoy most is you know the actual conversation, the actual creative process of, of having a conversation uh also doing the solo episodes so like who who, who the, is the first person um the first person that you want to partner with is this the the ops like the like the integrator type role that you'd be looking to partner with i think it's either an assistant or that kind of person it, it depends on like okay and again i think this is where again like self-awareness comes in right because it yeah. depends on how you operate for me, I just knew that like anything that is repeatable, after three times, I'm not gonna do it. So I had yeah. to bring in an assistant who like like really like just like that's their personality. They love, love doing the repeated stuff. And like shout out to Kelsey because now like she's interacting with every guest, right? She she knows some of the stuff like before I do. Yeah. Um I remember like actually like I think in our exchange, uh you emailed about potentially moving the interview. Uh I don't think I, I even replied. Like she replied, it changed on my calendar. I was like, oh, it's next week. Okay, cool. I, maybe I forgot or whatever. I didn't even realize we'd moved it until I looked at the emails. So I was like, oh, yeah. oh, we moved the interview. Yeah. Um, and so you, and that that's your assistant or or that or the ops or the that Kelsey's my assistant, right? Okay. Yeah. Okay. That. Yeah. No. I, and I see, like, that's putting you in a position to do what you do best and focus on that and create better shows which then gets more sponsors, you can pay people more. <laughs> exactly. Or or, or or builds more business, whatever your business outcome is that you're looking or for. Or it gets people to, like, maybe even, like, guests sometimes being like, this process is insane. I'm not going to be able to do it. Oh. I want to build a podcast. Can you now build a podcast for me? 
Yeah. Right? So in that sense, like the and way you I'm, know how to do it. Right. It's no, like yeah. I already have the system. I just literally go in Notion and I have to click duplicate to our template. And then we just can run someone's podcast. And so now I'm like the capacity that I, in the training that I've done with my team, I can apply it to like other clients. So this is how we're how doing much, it. How much does that, how much do I, do I have to pay you to do um, that? For, for, for us to run it, like we're, we're now, I'm, I'm it's trying. It's probably a lot, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're trying to get to like multiple six-figure levels for pop, building podcasts with yeah. people. Just because I want to like spend time and like do it well. Um, but it's like we're playing in a different, we're, we're trying to play yeah. in a different sandbox now in terms of like building podcasts. Totally. So what you're saying is I can't afford you. Well, no, I'm not saying that because in, in, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but, but I, I think this this is a this is again like going back to your team question, right? I was like, okay, I want to teach all these like all this to creators, and I launched the Creators MBA last year. Um, it kind of like we launched it. I ended up getting like a one-on-one client that was like way bigger than that, so I focused on that. And so I it just I just go back to I realize like I can be the creative engine for something. I don't like operating it. So now I'm actually like in talks with a few people to potentially like come in and like help operate Creators MBA because now uh-huh. then what we're going to do is I'm going to really be focused on doing the interviews, coaching clients, and then that person is going to look at all of that stuff, pull out the principles, pull out the threads, create the outlines for the the content. I come in and I make the content and then I'm like, okay, I want to act as like the dean of the school. You're the operator. Let's build yeah. a school. And then like through that, we want to like help creators uh, who can't afford through like a one-on-one. So it's like, that's going to be the more training that's going to go mass. But even so, that, like, I'm not building it all myself. I've, I've realized I have to bring in someone who's really, like, in charge of it. It's their thing. Th- that uh, and I, that makes perfect sense, right? And especially if you're working for some of these, like, you know, these these top creators that, that have a lot of revenue coming in, built around their creator brand already. Uh, I'm thinking for someone more at my level, uh, a lot of people listening to the show might be more, you know, around my level. This is the way I'm thinking about it, right? I think the first thing, tell me tell me where the flaws are in this. Yeah. Right? The first person that I would probably start working with would be more on the ends of like a virtual assistant that I build a relationship with around like a couple things that I want them to take off my plate. Uh, whether it's show notes, whether it's, you know, just like, like little things that can make, get me closer to the process of just doing the things that I do best That's and right. then I can have the most leverage on then see if that relationship builds and then eventually that person could grow into the role of being more of the uh, like a like a full uh, ops partner like and then hopefully at that point the show is getting bigger bigger it's generating more income i i can afford to pay that person more full time so the way i'm thinking is it'd be a couple things here and there a couple hours a week to help with the show and then and then build from there you you just said something too which i think is also not another invisible script that a lot of creators have how much do you think this costs Sounds like a lot. <laughs> Throw out a number. Um, like all of the people you just mentioned? Let's say like the ops and the assistant person. Uh, uh, I was thinking like north of 7500 a month. <laughs> um, less than that. Uh, and actually, sorry, I don't have the ops person anymore because she moved on to another company, so I'm looking for yeah. someone else. Um. If you're an ops person, like, message me. Uh, Let's go. But, um, yeah, it was less than that because they were both part-time, too. Got it. And, and I think that's the other thing, too, is, like, I think... I, so you had the system for that, and that's what you help creators... No, go ahead. I, I cut you off. No, I no, cut go ahead. You go, off. Go, like, go, go, go with the question. I, I, I think a big thing is, like, for me as, like, the creative person, it's, like, 
how to explain those roles and how they all we all integrate together. Like that's the true value that you're bringing. Exactly, and that's that's sort of like the vision with the Creators MBA is like really like all the stuff that I'm doing, I've done with creators, I'm learning. How do we package that into like templates? So we actually have like a whole. It's where like the we one of like this is how you like write a job description, right? This is how uh, you go look for this person. This is what you do in the first thirty days, in one of the sixty days. Um, the challenge I'm having actually, the, which is interesting, is like there's literally like three opportunities in front of me, which is podcast studio, creators yep. MBA within creators MBA, like help uh, creators like place off people. Because I I guarantee like I think if I go to creators who are making let's say like six figures or more. I'm like, I'm going to, within three months, like place this like part of team around you that's going to save you 20 hours a week. Most creators would jump at that, right? So it's like, yep. we have all these opportunities. I'm I'm, I'm kind of like dog-footing what I'm saying myself, which is I realize I, I can't launch like most of these until I find the right person to build them with. Because then I'll be the creative engine. I'll sort of like, I'll bring in the customers, but then it's their thing, they're running it. So if someone thinks that they're the right person to work with you on this, uh, where are they where are they gonna go? Message me, Instagram, find me, email, Twitter, wherever. I'm I'm everywhere. And especially and for handle? this because uh it's such a gupta. So it's S A C H I T G U P T A. Amazing. And the podcast is called Conscious Creators. Conscious Creators. Go listen to that. That's an incredible show. Uh and the, if they were to the products, the, the the ways that people can work with you, I saw the six-figure sponsorship blueprint. Is that a self-paced course? Right now, it's kind of like on pause. We're basically rebuilding it. Um, okay. And I really feel great about giving you this answer, which is I don't know what it is because when I bring in the right person to... Eh, let's actually talk about this two things really quickly. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm with it. Let's go. Let's talk about two things, which is perfectionism and letting go. So... Uh. I think one of the reasons I didn't hire a lot of people or, or hire anyone when I was like coming up was I think I had this like belief in my head that I have to like be perfect at everything and I have to like do like the, the ads and this and this and this, right? And I, I think like as I went to my 30s, I realized you can't be perfect at everything. And so you also like have to accept that like you're not perfect and then, then you can like start hiring because like how many, and I see this with YouTubers a lot, a lot of YouTubers go, there's no one that can edit like me. Right? Like you've mm-hmm. heard that from YouTubers all the time. Yeah. And in every YouTuber I've talked to, like who then hired an editor, they're like, I'm so glad I did that. Why didn't I do that? They're better than me. <laughs> right? Because here's the thing too, it's like they might not be at your level, but if that's what all they're doing for the next twelve months and you're here doing all these other things and kinda mm-hmm. editing, they're gonna get better at you. Totally. Right? And and so so totally. that's why like you wanna like hire those like like specialists and, and those those different things. And the other side of that coin is like really like letting go. Because a lot of creators don't let go of stuff because they're just so in it. Like, no one's going to be able to do it like me. No one, like, has a sort of, like, vision or whatever. Um, but look at Mr. Beast, right? Like, he has a huge team. And I think that's where you really, like, go from, like, a creator and a hobby blogger or whatever to, like, a business is when you start trusting other people and, and start bringing in, bringing in other people. So I had to really learn to, like, let go of stuff and and go to that person and be like, what do you think we should do, right? Because that, that, that was another mistake I actually made in, at the start was I brought in these people but then I was signing off on everything. So so then, like, I was the biggest bottleneck in my business. I was like, this uh. isn't good. So, so now it's like, okay, how do I trust you? How do I, like, actually, instead of just solving this problem in, like, two minutes, maybe I have to spend, like, 30 minutes, 60 minutes coaching you so that next time you deal with that, you're not coming to me, you can handle it. Or you can go to someone else on the team, and you guys can collaborate. Uh, 
because there's a there's a really good book called like how high output management and it talks about how one person can can can't really have like more than i think like five to eight direct reports because that was the other thing that happened is like i had like between five and ten like creative people like now and like different things everyone's coming to me where am i going to create so now to like structure it so that like maybe this person's checking this person's maybe like instead of like four reporting to me like there's one person and then three are reporting to that person that person becomes the gateway um and so so those two ideals of like letting go and delegation are so important and going back to your question of like what what's going to happen with six figure the the sponsored course i remember looking for like for that person who's like okay i really am interested in this i want to build this because i want to ask them what do you want to do what are the qualities of this person if they're listening to this show or they might know someone that might be a good fit what are like some of the the core values and the characteristics of this of of the person that's going to work in this role i think i think again this is specific to me because of like how i work um you have to be good at operations because i'm i'm not that very good so like you have to fulfill that role um I think we'll get in trouble for this one too, but whatever. Uh, it's like I look for like this like obsession, too, which is I think a lot of people like will like submit something. They're like, okay, I'm done, right? But but the best people that that's where you start. Now you gotta do like the 90% improvement. Uh-huh. It's like people who work like that because I work like that. Um, so operate, and then I think the third one is they just have to be a fan of what I'm doing. Because I realized it's uh-huh. like we brought on a few people who didn't really care about what I'm building, and it wasn't a good fit. And I think so. So a lot of in a lot of cases, and even the way I. Um, found Andrew was actually reached out to him right so I think for most creators who have a sizable audience there's actually someone in their audience uh, who can play that role you just have to figure mm-hmm. out like the right way to find that and, and they're already that. bought in yeah they're already well, bought listen, in listen I'm a fan I'm a big fan of the the conscious creator and all of the just the the principles and ideas you 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 stand for and the way that you help creators and then also how you're sharing that information so freely right now so thank you so much for coming on to the show uh again where do we want to send people if they want to uh, connect with your content yeah I, I would say like since they're listening to podcasts just look up uh conscious creators um one thing i realized is conscious is really hard to spell so if you are from the ground just look up my name s-a-c-h-i-t and you'll find the podcast beautiful thank you for coming on the show my man Thank you so much for having me. This was a pleasure. Super fun.